Grand Canyon, where hidden forces shape our ideas, beliefs, and experiences. And experiences. Join us as we uncover the stories between the canyon's colorful walls. Probe the depths and add your voice. Add your voice for what happens, what happens next, next at, Grand Canyon. at Grand Canyon. Hello and welcome. Okay. This is Jessica. <laughs> this is Emily. And this is, and this, this is Behind the Scenery. Uh, my name is Adam Shalau, and I am a full-time professional photographer. Uh, with uh, I actually specialize in landscape photography, which seems to be pretty rare nowadays. I'm a guy that uh, came to Grand Canyon 20 years ago, thought that would be my only visit. I spent one night, uh, came back 10 years later, and absolutely fell in love. And for about the past 10 years now, my my passion and my specialty has been Grand Canyon from rim to river. My name is Kate, and you're listening to an episode of Behind the Scenery, Canyon Cuts. How did you get into photography? I grew up really being into art in general, not really photography. Probably like a lot of people, I didn't necessarily see photography as an art form, perhaps. I saw it as something, as a tool for documenting you know, what was happening. But I started out uh, with an interest, just like a lot of kids, in drawing. That morphed into painting, mostly working in oils. But uh, I, I continued just experimenting with different types of art. And when I was in high school, I was into uh, working with clay on the wheel, still painting as well. But eventually, um, you know, it was like, okay, I got to start thinking about a real career. And art kind of got pushed to the side. So for, there were several years where I just didn't have a creative outlet. And um, after high school, I was invited to work at a high altitude field research station in Colorado a place called the Rocky Mountain Biological Laboratories. And I actually spent two summers working up there. And while I was there, one of the things I did on the side was I assisted a guy who was a wildlife biologist by, uh, by trade, I guess he'd say, but he was also a landscape photographer. He was in his mid to late 50s and bad knees, bad back. And he said, hey, you want to carry my gear? And I, yeah, this is cool. I get to climb mountains, ride mountain bikes. So I started doing that. And I honestly thought initially it was the stupidest thing possible. I couldn't understand why we'd get up at four o'clock in the morning to photograph, climb a mountain, photograph sunrise, set up this massive, large, view, uh, large format view camera. Um, it was just a bizarre world to me. But that was my introduction to photography. And again, initially, it did not take with me. Uh, but many years later, I started uh, going on trips myself across the uh, the American West. And, of course, you take a camera with you. And this is back in the film era still. And I, I took the camera to document the trips. And after my first trip, I realized when I got my film back, you can do more than document. You can actually put your own interpretive slant into what you're doing in terms of how you build your composition or what kind of film you use to record the light and color. And that it just that was kind of the start. I, I didn't have a clue what I was doing, but I could see that there was a real possibility there to share my own vision of what I was seeing. Um, so you mentioned like your first time at Grand Canyon was just a one night mm -hmm. stay. That was South Rim, and that's my recollection. It was right around uh, it was like September 1999, and I was with my wife Sally. We had actually planned to spend, I believe, three nights, and we were camping at Mather Campground. 
And we hadn't done a lot of research, to be honest, but we did have reservations. So we had a campsite and we showed up and had no idea where to go. And I was still very, very new to photography. We followed the crowds and ended up at Mather Point with half the other visitors in the park. (laughs) I was awestruck by what was in front of me. I just awestruck and intimidated. I had no idea how do you start putting a composition together. And uh, the light began to happen. And I think I took about three photographs, put the camera down, and I just enjoyed the show uh, that nature was putting on that evening. And it was, you know, kind of an end of monsoon type evening, some nice clouds in the sky. Uh, No real theatrics. You know, it wasn't raining. There were no rainbows. It was just very, uh, very soft, pleasant, and uh, a real moment of peace and tranquility. But So that, that was fantastic. We went back to Mather that evening. We camped and froze. <laughs> I, I had no idea how cold it could get in Arizona, um, which I think a lot of us have heard that story over and over and over again, and um, had no idea how cold it could get in the desert in the middle of the night, had not considered the elevation. And uh, long story short, we spent the one night before moving on. And I again, I honestly thought, well, we've, We've been here and we've seen Grand Canyon was kind of my thought uh, about the experience. How much more could there be? And again, I had no clue. My first river trip down the Colorado River through Grand Canyon was an 18-day ore trip in September into October of 2015, so only five years ago. And... Um, I, I was uh, still fairly new in my career in photography and, to be honest, struggling um, on, with the business aspect of it, trying to make a living. But uh, I, I, the first person I'd met in Flagstaff, literally the first person I'd met purely by chance was a man named Dave or David Edwards. And uh, Dave, for those who don't know him, National Geographic published photographer, a river guide with hundreds of trips under his belt as well. And Dave, in September of that year of 2015, was getting ready to run an art trip through the canyon. And my wife said, if you have to put that, the cost of that trip on every credit card we have, you need to do it because you need to go down the river with Dave. And uh, so we made it work, and I signed up for this 18-day trip. And it was really an incredible experience because it ended up being a very small trip. There were only five participants. We had five 18-foot uh, oar boats. Uh, we had actually had six crew members, so five five people rowing, five river guides, plus a swamper. So the passengers were outnumbered by guides. It was kind of a uh, – that was neat in itself. But we had Dave leading, and uh, uh, we had some other big names on the trip. And not to name drop, but just to share what a special experience it was. We had a woman who most people know by the name of Martha Clark. She's now Martha Stewart. Uh, Martha is one of those Grand Canyon legends. Uh, we had Amy Martin rowing a boat as well, and Amy, you know, former park ranger, photographer, river guide, just an incredible individual herself. Joseph Binion, who uh, is a potter from uh, Spring City, Utah, was also rowing. Peter Nisbet, who is a incredible painter of Grand Canyon and the American West. Here I am, this relatively new guy, surrounded by all this incredible talent with people who really know the canyon, have incredible passion for the canyon and the river. And I can't think of a better way to have been introduced 
to the world below the rim along the river corridor to see the world through their eyes and to hear their stories. Do you think there's any like big challenges or misconceptions about photography that a lot of people might not be aware of? <laughs> oh boy, where to start? Um, yeah, I mean, because obviously I had my own that it couldn't, you know, that it really wasn't or couldn't be an art form. Um, there's the uh, also the the challenges of there's this belief that it has to be the product has to be finished in the camera. And I just, I don't believe that's true. You know, it, it's easy to drop Ansel Adams' name into these conversations. And for those who are familiar with not just his work, but how he worked, his, the, the negative, the film was just the beginning of the process. And once he got into the dark room, he was doing things called dodging and burning, for example, which is darkening and brightening parts of the, the image so that we can kind of control the viewer's journey through the photograph, you know, drawing attention to certain areas, trying to not draw attention to other areas. And we still do that today digitally. So, of course, we end up being asked the question, do you Photoshop your images? And the reality is, uh, I, it's not fair to say we all do, but uh, most of us that are into photography are doing something to our photographs. Um, it's really open to that artist how much they do to the image for myself i have a lot of rules or restrictions that i place upon myself my photoshop work for example is limited to contrast and uh, tonal balance in other words um, it's very difficult to photograph the canyon and represent it in a way that resembles something like what we saw because the camera has difficulties recording the brightness of the sky and balancing that with the darkness of the canyon. In my post-production work, i.e. Photoshop, you know, I'm working on adjusting those imbalances. But I find that a lot of people who perhaps don't really know the world of photography as an art form don't understand perhaps what goes into creating the final photograph that gets printed and hung on the wall. And the world wants to place a lot of restrictions on how we achieve the final result. My, my goal is always to be true to the landscape and true to my experience. And what I mean by that is I'm not there to add a sky. For example, if the, it was a blue sky day and I wanted clouds, I'm not adding clouds. I'm not adding lightning. I'm not what I consider faking the image. But uh, you know, the, the, another one of the challenges, I think, is uh, a lot of people may not understand or appreciate how much effort goes into making one photograph. You know, I may visit a particular location three, four, five times, maybe even more before I get the photograph that I really want. Do you have a particular process that helps you with like capturing the light here? Do you look for certain like cloud formations, anything like that? A lot of it is an emotional response for me. On that particular day where I'm at in my life, I spend a lot of time watching the weather forecast here at home. And if it looks like the the weather is going to be conducive to the kind of work I want to create. Then I come running up to the canyon, and it almost always starts with a stop at Yavapai Point. Not that I intend to photograph there, but Yavapai has that 180-degree panoramic view of the canyon. And so I run up to the viewpoint, and I study the weather conditions. I'm watching where are the clouds, where are they where are they at now? Where, where does it look like they're moving towards? And then that kind of drives my decision towards where I want to go in the park. 
And, uh, you know, I do the same thing from the North Rim. If I'm I'm at the North Rim, it may be a quick stop at the lodge to try to see what's going on with the weather. The North Rim's a bit more challenging in that regard because, for example, from the lodge, you can't see back around to the Northeast real well, back towards Point Imperial. But uh, my, my process always starts with just observing what Mother Nature is giving us to work with. Do you think being a photographer has changed the way you view landscapes? Oh, yes. Oh, definitely. I see so much more than I did before I was a photographer. Little details that maybe just get easily overlooked. For example, noticing how the light plays across the inner canyon there, those basement rocks become so reflective. That's something I may have just overlooked on my first visit 20 years ago. Now I'm just noticing all those crazy little details, how the light scatters through dust. Uh, how it creates a soft painterly effect, just all, little details like that. Yeah, but definitely photography has changed how I view the world. Um, also, with regard to relationships, relationships between foreground, midground, background, how shapes can play off of each other, how they can, uh, how one shape can highlight another shape within the canyon or frame that shape. So I see you teach a lot of different types of workshops. Is there any specific like type of lesson or type of interaction you have with your guests that like stick out to your mind and like brighten your day? Yeah, you know, so when I when I teach workshops, one of my goals for my students is that they grow or mature as a photographer or as an artist if that's how they want to see themselves. And what I mean by that is um um so when we're learning, we tend to copy the work of others. Uh, in, in my line of work, we call it chasing tripod holes. We try to figure out where someone else set up their tripod. You know, we, we, we place our tripod there. Uh, but it's easy to get stuck in a rut of making everyone else's photograph. So when I work with someone, I hope to break them out of that habit. I hope to help them realize or discover their own creative vision. And, and that's something we're, we're, we should all be doing forever up until our last day clicking the shutter. Um, we're always maturing and chasing our own vision and finding that vision. But that's what gives me the greatest satisfaction. I, I can show someone how to make the kind of photos that I like to make, but I want to see what they want to make. What do they want to share? And when they can do that, that makes me smile. What do you want for the future of Grand Canyon? Oh, wow. I'd like to see people really respect it. To, you know, to have, to be able to, and I think to respect it, you have to have a deep appreciation for it. And that's a challenge. You know, uh, what's the average length of a visit for, you know, for the typical visitor was like three and a half hours something like that, it's hard to really appreciate the place. You know, I, I, I've seen a lot of changes in the last 10 years in terms of how people interact with the park when they're here. Um, you know, there's the selfie generation now, and people seem to be all that just getting the shot of themselves. I'd love to see people slow down and really appreciate the canyon. I, I just hope we can, uh, we can protect it from ourselves and protect it from being loved to death. Because I can tell you, I'm definitely seeing the signs of that when I'm out at the different viewpoints. I, I wish people could make more than just their one trip. You know, I, I was very lucky. The luxury of time uh, allowed me to begin seeing the canyon in a new way. 
I learned about the Parks Artists in Residence program and ended up applying and being accepted for the next year. And it, it was, again, that luxury of time that helped me develop that deeper appreciation for the canyon, being able to see it in different light, different weather. We gratefully acknowledge the Native peoples on whose ancestral homelands we gather, as well as the diverse and vibrant Native communities who make their home here today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Canyon Cuts, a behind-the-scenery micro-episode, brought to you by the North Rim and Canyon District Interpretation Teams at Grand Canyon National Park.